metropolitan area of the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan. Are you ready? WCW fans, are you ready for Monday Nitro? Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Detroit Rock City! It is the 100th edition of WCW Monday Nitro! And this 100th edition will be a special one! It will be three hours long! Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, we are about to embark on a two-week vacation, so... Yeah. And it couldn't come sooner for me because I think I'm getting sick, so I'm going to try and and pull through. I'm going to be in this Iron Man match of an episode with you, and then I think I'm going to... uh, Go on vacation for a little while. Yeah, we're going to take two weeks off. We're going to uh, handle some stuff. Handle some, some business. Handle, yes. handle a little piece of business. But and, it's a good uh, time to take a break in the world of pro wrestling because, really... Shit didn't happen. Well, so. I mean, nothing of, of major epic proportions, depending on who you ask, is really going on the, in the world of the WWE. It's a Monday night, okay? It is. Well, yes, we we're are doing on this, a Monday. We're doing this at midnight right now. Uh, we, we're not doing our normal weekend. Um, well, it's kind of good that we're doing it on Monday night because I, I can recap some of Raw and we also saw the uh, pay-per-view the on hell Sunday. In a so and, yes, we're uh, not we're not as dated as we by, typically by are. By the way, congratulations! You were right in the main event of Hell in a Cell. Kevin Owens did win. Sami Zayn fucked me over. <laughs> yeah, he pulled the guy out of the way. The big Shane McMahon spot, the jumping of the cell, the exact same spot that he did at WrestleMania. Which, but the, I want to see I want to see him connect just once. I really only have a few. You know, nitpicky things wrong with the match. Uh, I thought it was much better than the one that he had with The Undertaker. Oh, absolutely. I thought it was light years better than that. Yeah. Uh, he needs to learn how to work one of those, uh, the bolt cutters. The bolt cutters, Boy, yes. Boy, Shane, you can tell this man was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth. Didn't he, have to break into a lot he was, of... Uh, he was having some issues with the bolt cutters. He got about the Mean the Street start. Posse didn't have to break into a lot of fenced areas, You know I how guess. awesome it would have been if they ran out and cut the chain for him and then just left? Just one thing. Just, just one thing. That would have been awesome. Just yeah. a little cameo. They didn't have to get physical or anything. No, yeah. they didn't have to do shit. So he can't work bulk cutters, but that's fine. The stuff at the top of the cell, I thought, kind of went on a little too long. Um, and like they they botched the uh, the power bomb spot on the top of the cage. But some people were saying, oh, you know, they were nervous of them fighting up there. That they thought, dude, that thing is so reinforced on the. It top. is, but man, that, 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 that fencing was that fencing was bowing a little bit, and so I started having flashbacks of. of 98 with with Mick and Taker so well, I was like I was oh. only slightly intrigued when when Owens would take a bump up there cuz I mean he's a much bigger man yeah. than Shane McMahon so yeah. but that even for the little give it had this thing is very well reinforced but the, the uh like you said they had a little miscommunication on the uh on the Yeah power they tried bomb. to do a pop up power bomb and they the had the first to, go around and then they they were able to correct it and but the second one dude I really thought he might go through it I thought that Kevin Owens, uh, Shawn Michaels, Bad Blood 97 bump was sort of 
not necessary, like... Oh, the taker... taker well, because uh, Kevin fell off the cage, too, but right, not, not from you. the top. Right, he, I'm with you. He fell off from basically hanging off the side. Yeah. And it didn't really cause him... I mean, he got, like, right back up. Yeah, so I kind of felt that was unnecessary. I also thought that it would have been better if Owens... And I'm not saying he has to pick him up over his head and press slam him off the cage. But if Owens had initiated the Shane McMahon fall rather than Shane just missing an elbow, doing the exact same thing. Yeah. That's really my only complaint, is it was the exact same leap that we saw. And not only does it kind of make it lesser than, because we've seen it already... It also makes the original one kind of lesser than because now it's not so special. Right. Because it'll be special when he actually connects. But somebody's not, I, I'm not dumb enough to take it. Yeah, no one's going to take an elbow drop from from 20 feet in the air. Yeah. Or even if he fell, I don't know, some on something different, you know. I don't I don't know what else he can fall yeah. on besides the table, but not a straw truck. I don't want that, but to make it a little bit different, but I also thought that if Kevin Owens had been the one shoving him off or like initiating the fall cuz you're trying to build up this monster heel. Instead, he he kind of won in the chicken shit way because he was saved by his buddy that that pulled him out of the way instead of just throwing Shane over and then just beating him. You could even still have Sami Zayn interfere if you wanted to, but still have Owens prevail. I just, I agree. I, I think if you're trying to build a monster heel, you have to have a, your monster heel do monster things. And especially the part where Owens teases leaping off the cell himself and he, he can't do it. He's chicken. So I'm glad you brought that up. I kind of wanted to see him do it. That, oh, of course. Yeah. That was the idea. The whole to steal that spotlight away from, from Shane, that would have been the over. Kind of. What I really like though is when he is uh, he's beating the shit out of Shane and he's trash talking Shane, screaming kids to the kids, yeah, at ringside. Yeah, it was beautiful. That was that was awesome. But uh, I'm on WWE.com and our shop and looking. You're trying no, to get that jersey. No new Shane jersey from Hell in a Cell yet. So uh, they were too busy printing Shield shirts to worry about the Shane jersey. Well, yeah, the Shield reconnected tonight. They fisted. So. They all fisted together in the in the ring there. So they're all back together with no explanation of how they got that way. I mean, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns were never on good terms, but tonight, without explanation, they're all just they're all back together. It's a way to try to get people to like Roman Reigns. To be honest, it was effective because the way the crowds react. And I'm sorry, I think it's cool. Like, I, I think it's cool that the Shield is back together, but I yeah. wouldn't, like, pop for it because, like we've talked about before, they just broke up three years ago. Yeah. Most, two of the three have been on the same brand the entire time. Yeah. They've been in many multiple man matches. They've done that triple powerbomb before. Seth and Dean are tag champs. Roman and Dean were tagging up not too long. So it's like they never went anywhere. For some reason, people are becoming more nostalgic. I mean, we're doing a show called the Retro Wrestling Podcast, but something from just three years ago is now like, oh man old school or whatever yeah. like it's i it's just kind of too soon for me like when evolution reunited to take on the shield three years ago they had been broken up for a long time so that was yeah, a legitimate i mean it was seven or eight years going on for at them. least yeah and even then they didn't bring rick back to yeah. wrestle he was or a manager they kicked him out of the group but i wasn't part of the original shield run because i wasn't watching wrestling as much i still don't know what the shield it's sort of like the bullet club what exactly made the Shield 
What were they standing up for? Because they were good guys? They were bad guys? Their invasion or whatever reminded me of the Nexus or whatever when they came in. Right. They didn't really have a purpose. They didn't have, yeah. They had no set goal. The only thing that was different between, you know, I feel like Nexus, the purpose, when we found out the purpose with them was, you know, it's a bunch of kids from NXT. Right. Who, you know what, we're taking our spot. We're not, you know, we're not going to wait and yeah, work we're not going to go through NXT on yeah. the uh, sci-fi that. network. Yeah, we're Fuck we're that. taking our spot, and so the Nexus kind of had a gimmick where somewhat the Shield really didn't. They just had SWAT team outfits. They stole Big Boss Man's old SWAT team gimmick and right and walked so, to the ring. But I mean, the crowd loves it. And oh, they're happy. So we're going to see. I don't. And I just think uh, so. The main event for TLC is now Shield versus uh, Sheamus, Cesaro, The Miz, and Braun Strowman because they don't have anything for Braun Strowman to do. So it's four on three in favor of the heels. Yeah. So I I just think that kind of sucks for a main event with nothing on the line. Right. I agree. Nothing. That's like a house show main it event. It doesn't. Honestly. It doesn't anywhere near compare to. Uh, to Hell in a Cell. And Hell in a Cell had some low, low points. Let's be honest. That showed that pay-per-view drug. Oh, yeah. Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, Nakamura, and Jinder Mahal. Yeah, I was crickets. disappointed. In, I was disappointed in Bobby Roode. Oh, yeah. Well, and Dolph Ziggler. I mean, I've the ship has sailed for me on Dolph Ziggler a long time ago. It was an above-average B-show. The Charlotte. Natalia thing. Natalia That's going to keep going. I enjoyed that match. Yeah, I, uh, it it was uh, it was very entertaining. And Natalia, who's you know, it was a good athletic match. Then afterwards, said, "You know what? Screw this!" and took the DQ. It was a good hill finish, and it was it. It's good to see them kind of working in. I see them working into a a flare heart type. You know, here comes Rick. Here comes Brett. All again, you know, again. Well, they just did that uh, about a year ago at right? NXT, and then they turned around and they did it again. They did it like Roadblock or yeah. Fastlane, one of the road, one of the driving things, things where they had so. the uh, Montreal Screwjob finish for no reason. Yes, they're playing up Rick's return basically, right. and so I think that Charlotte will win, and it'll be a very emotional moment in the ring, and Carmella and James Ellsworth will come in and cash in the money in the bank, and she'll be. The biggest heel on the planet. That would be awesome. Yeah, so that's that's the way I, I think that they're going to go. If they're smart, they'll do it that way. Yeah. Also on Raw, I just wanted to mention before I forget, so this Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor feud is going to continue, and Sister Abigail is now being teased for the uh, TLC pay-per-view, and instead of having an actual Sister Abigail, it's going to be Bray Wyatt in makeup, apparently. What? <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be... That's their... Whoa, okay. No, not like girly makeup, like supposed to be like spooky makeup. But my... Okay. The absurdity of it not being an actual person, that's that's fine because we actually saw Randy Orton dig up Sister Abigail's ashes and burn down the Wyatt compound, so... Right. She's dead, you know, in storyline. But they could do a taker thing with like, you know... uh, she levitates right there by the entrance <laughs> or some shit while he comes out. And well, they've got tons of female they, wrestlers they could use. I and just, then they, yeah, she doesn't, I mean, you don't see a face, but you just see a body there. Kind of like, you know, they could really turn this into some cool shit if they just would actually put the time and effort behind it. So, it, so far, I mean, they could prove us wrong, but it certainly looks like it's going to be just like an alter ego. 
of uh, Bray Wyatt. The guy doesn't need an alter ego. His alter ego is being Bray Wyatt. I mean, yeah. it's not like it's not like Finn Balor how he's a normal person and is the demon on the weekends or whatever. It's not. It's just so set. we're gonna see we're gonna see the demon against Sister Abigail, which is actually just Bray Wyatt in makeup. Yeah, so wow. there you go. Oh, and by the way, Enzo's cruiserweight title reign has come to an end. He was defeated by Kalisto in the main event on Raw. By the time you're listening to this, I'm sure they'll have switched the title back or are going to at the pay-per-view because much like the women's titles on both brands, they just switch it whenever they really feel like it. They don't really care. So. Well, they went to all this effort of making a specialized belt for him. They, he still hasn't used that. He doesn't use the cheetah print belt. That's fucked up. Because I actually think it looks cool. Oh, no. Yes. Patrick, shame on you. I do. You're just trying to give me birthday ideas for you. I'm not going to go have a custom cheetah print belt made for you. You should have had a cheetah print ref thing, black and white cheetah print. There you go. That's a good idea for you. All right, back to the news. Sorry, I got us off topic. No, we needed to uh, talk about it. Um, Cornette and and Santino get into it. Again, Jim Cornette and Santino Morella apparently have some bad blood dating back to when Jim was running OVW and Santino was in developmental. And so was the boogeyman, apparently. And so the story goes that the boogeyman was doing his gimmick, which, quite frankly, never really came across to me as scary. Right. Odd, yes. I mean... He just ate worms, you know? It wasn't like... Well, that's creepy in itself. I just don't... Like, that Fear Factor stuff with the people eating the bugs and stuff, that never came across to me as scary as... It just gross. Yeah. Like, when the boogeyman would wrestle and there would be worm guts or whatever he was eating, you know, whatever he had... When that shit was laid around the ring after he left, that's all. That just grossed me out. I felt sorry for the other competitors that had to walk through it. I, yeah, I was never like, "Ooh, that's so scary." I was like, "Ooh, that's gross." That's yeah, it all. made me turn my stomach. That's one thing that I didn't. I so couldn't do. Santino, instead of I guess, so Boogeyman and Santino are in OVW, and they they must have had a match together, or tag match or something. And so Santino broke character and laughed at what the Boogeyman was doing. Well. Jim Cornette, you know, is a very big keeper of kayfabe. Oh, you know, huge. And, you know, this guy doesn't fuck around with his pro wrestling. Huge. He likes you to observe the rules and regulations of pro wrestling. And so, apparently, he there's some allegations of uh, maybe a little bit of uh, slapping around of the student Santino for his... Uh, breaking of character in the ring. And so, Santino and Jim are now both... They're not active. Well, Jim just got out of Impact Wrestling, but they, they're mainly on the convention circuit, so they probably have to cross paths every now and then. So they were both at a convention, and I guess Santino wanted to walk over to Jim and say what was on his mind. He probably had this on his mind for a while and just wanted to tell him what a big piece of shit he was. And naturally, Jim does not back down from a verbal confrontation. No, Jim Cornette has never backed down from anything in his life, I do believe. And so, or a drive through window, whatever the case may be. Yeah. 
Dairy Queen, really. You better put the extra cheese on the fucking cheeseburger. That's right. And it shouldn't take fucking 30 minutes. Yeah. So Jim and Santino got caught on YouTube video. There are always eyes watching you. There's always a camera. So I always assume there's an open microphone wherever you are. And so That's true. I don't think Cornette enjoys Santino's brand of comedy wrestling. And that's fair, you know. That's fair to have that opinion. I mean, Cornette... Cornette doesn't approve of, like, Joey Ryan, but for a lot of comedy wrestlers... I don't approve of Joey Ryan, but Well, comedy wrestlers in general, I've never really been that entertained by them. I mean, that's not... It's just not my cup of tea, but if they can make a living at it, and that's what they're good at, you know, not everybody can beat Bret Hart in the ring or whatever, you know, everybody's got to do what they got to do, and so... There's there's a... There's a... I agree. There is a spot for for comedy wrestling. I've done a few comedy matches. I've done, you know, so on and so forth, some regular matches, but... uh, There's definitely a spot for it on the card for, like, really, really little children, like watching Finley and Hornswoggle run around might impress a four or five year old you know like yeah. that's good to have on like superstars or main event but for me like the rest of it I, I don't want any of that like so i know you're ready for this october 27th through the 31st of 2018 chris jericho has announced rock and wrestling set sail the rock and wrestling cruise are you sure it's not for this year it is not for this year it is next year He's announcing it in a year in advance? He's, in, he's announcing it in a year in advance to make sure he gets people on board. You're right. It is for a year in advance. Wow. That is... The Rockin' Wrestling Rager at sea. Well, it's like the old uh, Bruise Cruise. That's it. Yeah. You get wrestling and, uh, and rock and roll pretty much nonstop the whole night. Four nights at sea. And this is per person. Oh, for a single guest. For a single guest, if you're going by yourself. Patrick, you might be going alone on this one because this is more in your price range. $1,300. Add $225 per person for taxes and fees. So, Patrick, for the mere price of $1,550, you too can hang out. On the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Cruise Fest extravaganza. Now, if it's both of us, we can each get on there. Wow, for only it only cost us nearly a thousand dollars each if we go together. Yes. So you save almost five hundred dollars if you have a friend that you can book with. So phone a friend. The lineup. Let's check out the lineup. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, the Rock and Wrestling Rager, which curiously he has paired up with Ring of Honor. That's it's awesome. Maybe a sign of things to come. Maybe Jericho actually is done with the WWE this time around. I doubt it. But I doubt it. But yeah, a Ring of Honor wrestling tournament. Jim Ross. Jim Ross is hosting it, featuring DDP, Mick Foley, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Raven, Rey Mysterio, Busted Open Radio. I guess. The Retro Wrestling Podcast didn't get an invite, I guess. Killing the Town Podcast, which is Cyrus and Lance Storm's podcast. Keep It 100, hosted by Conan. Disco Inferno and Hurricane Helms. And then Beyond the Darkness Podcast, which I guess is a horror film podcast. Oh, then the music. Fozzie King, Phil Campbell, and the Bastard Sons. Jim Brewer and the Loud and Rowdy, that's comedian Jim Brewer. Shoot to Thrill, which is an all-female band. Dave Spivak Project. The Blizzard of Ozzy. And then The Dives. 
with the comedy stylings, of course, of Jim Brewer. And more to be announced, all for the low, low price of $1,500. You're going from Miami to the Bahamas and back again. All your meals are free, though. Buffet style, of course. All your beverages. That's pretty much it. Gratuity not included, so you'll be tipping. You get into gambling, you might be uh, swimming back to shore. Oh, alcoholic beverages are not free, so that's gonna that's gonna run up my tab. And specialty restaurants have a cover. I wonder how this compares to normal cruise prices. Uh-oh. Well, I have to say, Patrick, the uh, the pricing is uh, a little steep compared to a normal cruise. Is it? Based on what I'm looking at here, you can apparently get seven-night cruises for as low as $400 a person. The pricing is you're paying for your entertainment on the uh, Chris Jericho cruise. but I'm sure autographs and stuff will be included at some point. Oh, time. yeah. I'm sure they'll love to give those. We know how generous they are with those. So. Yeah. Well, if you swing by our table, we will give you one for free. Yeah, you'll so. be signing the check to uh, $1,500 to Chris Jericho. I wonder how he makes money in all that. Like, I wonder if the boat I'm is... I'm going to tell you how he makes money. He $1,500? He's renting the boat. It's the same as renting an arena. Oh, he's renting the boat, and he's booked this whole damn thing. It's up to us to fill it up. It's and... up to us to fill it up to make him his money back. Oh, so yeah, it is like booking an arena. That's same damn thing. Same concept. I've never been on a cruise ship, so I kind of wonder about, you know, because they have devices to keep the, uh, it doesn't rock as much as like if we went out there on a dinghy or whatever out in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, I just wonder about like actual wrestling, like how much even that slight rocking affects, you know. I I was thinking the same thing. I have no idea. Tim Storm, NWA world heavyweight champions tim storm showed up billy corgan was there backstage as well showed up on championship wrestling from hollywood it's a tv show out there their rest their local wrestling show throughout the the uh the city of hollywood california and uh billy corgan is pretty much saying that he's uh he's gonna start taking over the uh the wrestling industry is the independent side and he's going to turn the nwa like you and i discussed into a a actual global brand like ring of honor or new japan or uh or wwe he is working on that and he has started he has set the first piece of groundwork and he did it out of hollywood california there's a great interview with his business partner billy's business partner david lagana LiveAudioWrestling.com. It's with John Pollock. And John sat down with David for about 90 minutes. And David just went over A to Z what their hopes are for this company, Billy Corgan and David Lagana, who used to be a writer uh, for the WWE. That's probably the first step is getting the TV deal. But very, they sound very ambitious. It sounds like, like Billy's going to put in a lot of time to this. So hopefully his enthusiasm can can stay up. They also had some... Well, David shared some stories about uh, Billy's attempt to buy Impact Wrestling and how that fell through, but all the work that Billy was doing behind the scenes, even uh, David claimed that Billy was actually paying wrestlers paychecks, basically, for a long time, as he was the only person, even if it wasn't his responsibility to pay, even when it was still under Dixie's ownership. and um, He was the only person able to pay yeah, at that he's, point in time. He loved, the pro- he loved wrestling so much that he was reaching into his own pocket to pay the wrestlers. Now, his long-term 
goal was probably to, if I, when this place goes bankrupt, I can go to the court and say, I paid the people, so it's my company now. Right. It was probably his end game at the, you know, well, that was his goal, but still. But still, though, the fact that he was willing to, to do that shows the true side of, of how invested he is in this. I don't know how much money it took to secure uh, the NWA intellectual property, but it is something. People recognize that name and that brand, so I hope that he's able to do something with it. Oh, I guarantee you. Um, I'm an NWA guy. I always have been. We were. I grew up in the household of NWA, then it was WCW as it transformed. Uh, we didn't. We didn't watch WWE that much, and so... Uh, we were a Flair household, a Sting household, so uh, as a young kid. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm intrigued. I'm curious because I would love to see the NWA brand back on somewhat of on top where it once was. So yeah, uh, and I think this is the best shot it's had in quite a while. So quite a while. On to a little bit of a funnier side of things. WWE 2K18, getting ready to come out. Yeah, they put Colonel Sanders in the game. You took it right out of my mouth. Did you realize Colonel Sanders is going to be a playable wrestler? Well, he's... He's a he's a created wrestler. He yeah, is you a, have to go assemble him. He's already... He, you go to uh, create a wrestler, you're going to go, he's going to be one of the defaults. They went ahead and set it up for you, so all you have to do... It's basically like getting another playable character. Yeah, just, Colonel uh, Sanders is going to be my uh, world champion. Abs- yeah, I'm doing career mode with Colonel Sanders. So um, if it's like previous years of the game where you have to take a created wrestler in a career mode, I'll definitely consider taking old Colonel Sanders. Uh, the Kentucky Fried Leg Lock. It's very weird. It's very weird. But ever since the network launched, they've been a they've big been uh, sponsor. Right by them. And I mean, they've had Ziggler playing the Colonel, and they had Sean. Sean, and then Kurt Angle is the most recent to don the, the Colonel suit. So, <laughs> if they could somehow wrangle, like, the Undertaker to put on the Colonel suit, that would be uh, just That something. would be the end-all be-all. <laughs> no, I just, I really think, like, I don't know. That chicken rest in peace. That's, all the other chicken restaurants can rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> I know it's pro wrestling, but at some point, even a pro wrestler has to say, you know what, I have some dignity. I will not be Colonel Sanders. They've all said yes so far, basically. I see so. Mick Foley doing a Colonel Sanders. He would be great at it, but see, he they probably don't want him since he used to be the Chef Boyardee guy. You That's know, true. they don't want That's to true. mix up the message. That's true. You know, you can only endorse so many food products, but, you know, would would Steve Austin tell them no? Or would he take oh, the money? Oh, hell no, he wouldn't do it. Hell no. But see, that's weird, because, like, on, on his podcast or in, you know, he... he has ads on his podcast for shitty stuff like you know yeah but he's not gonna actually dress up like colonel sanders and give a stunner to somebody if he does <laughs> if he does i'm making a bet with you right now if if he does i owe you a hundred dollars wow because i don't buy that bullshit. he will not do it austin if you're listening you need to dress up as a colonel because i could use a hundred bucks it's really now it's a game who won't dress up as the current like what right. What level of pro wrestler will you know would would Ric Flair dress up as the Colonel? I see Ric Flair wooing as as the Colonel. See, I don't think he'd do that. I think he would. I think he sees himself as above that. I think he would do it. He is the voice of those KFC ads on South Pole Regional Wrestling, so he has kind of. 
I, I'm telling you, I see Ric Flair being a Colonel Sanders and wooing at some chicken. Do you, if Hogan was on good terms with the company, do you think Hogan could be a KFC? That, you, not a chance in hell. Really? No. Sting? Do you think Sting would do it? No. <laughs> It'd be funny to see the Colonel and Sting's face, face yeah. paint. Yeah. He should always have to keep his gimmick, you know, whatever. Scott Hall is the Colonel? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Scott Hall, Nash, all those guys. Jake Roberts. Oh, uh, so I see DDP go. doing it. That would be hilarious. See, I think a, chi- a chicken leg right there, and he, he hits a, he hits a, he hits a diamond oh. cutter on the chicken leg. I I think he sees himself as above that now. Really? Yeah. We could play this game all day. So who do you think would say no to Colonel Sanders? Are, I think they really need a black one. They really need our truth. Just the blackest guy on the Mark roster. Henry. Oh, dude, I think he would actually be an awesome. He would do it. He's a good actor. He's he a much it. better actor than wrestling. Mark Henry would do it. Big E would love to do. Oh, have three Colonel Sanders do the uh, the, the new, new day. day. Yeah, getting a little off topic now. <laughs> role role playing as Colonel Sanders for some that doesn't sound right. Imagining different Colonel Sanders is uh, pro wrestlers. It's, uh, do you think The Rock would do it? Fuck no, 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 no. See, I think he would actually do it. No, that's way below him. For WrestleMania or something, I see The Rock coming out as Colonel Sanders hitting a rock bottom and just walking out. Honestly, the person who's perfect for it is Jeff Jarrett. He's got that the is, ghost white is, hair. That He's is southern. So that is so true. So it was true. meant for him. That's, it's it's a shame he just never he'll never get his chance to be Colonel Sanders. That's so true. Um, is that it? Well, last but certainly not least, we posted a uh, thing. I posted a thing, and then you forwarded it on to the, uh, the podcast page. Um, the voice of Memphis Wrestling, Lance Russell, passed away this week. In his 90s. He was 91 years old. So uh, Yeah, the longtime voice of Memphis Wrestling, uh, considered by many to be one of the greatest uh, commentators of all time. Yeah, I put him up there with Gordon Sully. And with uh, with Jr. So I'm not really familiar with his Memphis work. I only remember him really as the backstage interviewer uh, for those uh, WCW shows. Yeah, I mean obviously we didn't have Memphis wrestling on on this side of the state. So and it was a little bit before my time. But was the voice of it for like 40 years. I mean he was, and that's uh, crazy. The feud with Kaufman and Lawler. You know, him doing the interviews with Lawler and getting, you know, just, you could tell in his voice how he would get the crowd loving, you know, which wasn't difficult, but he would get the crowd loving Lawler and get them around, you know, wound up for him. Kaufman would do an interview with him and, and Kaufman would, you know, they'd be booing and, and, and he'd, he'd start giving Kaufman hell too. And it just, it was, it was done so well. He was perfect as that third. Well, he was a great straight man. Yeah. He, yeah, he was perfect as that third man for, for that feud and launched that feud in, like I said, into, uh, into multimedia outlets all over the world and um i believe he added a huge he was a huge part in adding that that feud and making it something great and so uh the voice of memphis wrestling lance russell passed away at the age of 91 sad uh i'm gonna miss you buddy lost bobby heenan and lance russell within weeks of each other two uh very powerful voices that's true that's true that's very very true yeah it's uh 
very unfortunate. But 91 is a ripe old age. I yeah, mean, he, he, I mean, he lived a great life, went to wrestling shows up till his death. I mean, he still would go and and do wrestling shows. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a, uh, a tribute show in his favor. And he he went. He to, went to his own tribute show. It wow! Was a, Not many people get to go to their it was own a, tribute. Yeah, show. it was a it was it was like night of you know night of Lance or something like that. I forgot what they what they called it, but it was um, done so well. And it was uh, you ended up having. I think that was the night that we we did uh, Lawler and Terry Funk. Uh, he just he he would he would do anything he could to try to help out. And so. Uh, so yeah, ninety-one years young. That's that's crazy. <laughs> Another interview I heard at LiveAudioWrestling.com was uh, yeah, one that he did when he was eighty-seven on the phone, and he sounded just totally with it. I mean, yeah, he used to have LanceRussell.com, and they forgot to renew it, and whoever bought it turned it into a porn site or redirected it to a porn site. So wow, <laughs> yeah, because he didn't know that websites they expire. They're just right. like, you just rent them basically, and so yeah. when as soon as it expired, someone snatched it up, redirected it to a porn site. So a very valuable lesson I learned from the voice of Memphis wrestling about renewing your website. So hopefully yeah. retrowrestlingpodcast.com will get renewed and it won't go to a porn site. That that's all I got from the news desk. We'll breeze right through my pick for this week, which was August fourth, nineteen ninety seven edition of WCW Monday Nitro. For three hours. Three can you imagine a wrestling show on Monday for three hours? Jeez, it how do you fill that much time? No one can fill but that here's much what time. I want. Here's what I have to say about this, though. They squeezed in 13 matches. We, we're lucky if we get six now. They were very... A lot of them were very quick matches, to be Still. fair. Yeah, not a lot of filler, really, on this show. I thought this was a very well put together... This was one of the better Nitros, I think, that yes. I've ever seen. Maybe it was because... They knew, like, oh, we've only got this one three-hour one coming up. We can stack it a certain way instead of, oh, we got to do this every week? This yeah. is going to suck. Yeah. So, yeah, it's August 97. We're... The 100th episode. Allegedly. No. See, this is... It irritated me so much because thanks to the WWE Network, they have the episodes numbered. So when I watched this... I definitely remember this episode because of the main event. This is a, definitely a wrestling memory that I remember. You were a kid watching this. Oh, yeah. No, I had to... My bedtime, I think, was at 9. It was always at 9, so I could always get the first hour of Nitro. I'd have to sneak to watch a second, but for this night, I remember going to my dad and saying, Dad, I have to stay up tonight because Lex Luger is challenging for the title I, they don't do title matches on Nitro. I have to stay up, so I got special permission to watch this episode. You got so. to stay up. Well, legally, because usually I w- what I would do, I had mastered this, so I knew that I could watch. I knew I could watch either. I would flip back and forth between Raw and Nitro, but if I muted it and turned on the closed caption, they wouldn't hear. I'd have to read. It helped my reading skills. Yeah. This was actually very educational for me, but I would turn on the closed captioning and watch it that way on nights I didn't get permission. Or I would do the crazy thing and like wake up because Nitro was replayed right. overnight, so I could just wake up really early the next day and watch Nitro at like 3 in the morning. Right. But you can't watch... There were no reruns of Raw. You were just shit out of luck. So you had to watch that one right then. Or then you're stuck watching Livewire on Saturday. If you're curious about what Raw countered with on this night, 
Dude Love versus Owen Hart. That's where they were at in August of 97. That's... <laughs> I I love both guys. I don't see that match being very good. Yeah, it was basically a, a no contest tonight in the Monday Night Wars. And in WCW, we're on the heels of Bash at the Beach 97, which was Rodzilla. Rodzilla, brah. That's right. Coming out to tag up with uh, Hogan for the first time. I guess it was the first time. One of many times. One of many. That Rodzilla, Dennis Rodman, was involved in WCW. Now, the other thing going on here is that back at Spring Stampede, back in April, like the first week of April, Lex Luger won the number one contendership. He did. And this is August. Yes. So he has been sitting on this for that long, but it wasn't his fault because we complain about Brock Lesnar never showing up to pay-per-views. Hogan, in 97, guess how many pay-per-views he showed up for? Probably three or four. No. He showed up for seven. He did, Really? He, did, he outperformed your expectations. Really? Now, he showed up for seven. Now, out of those, there were probably only like two or three that were singles matches. The rest were tags or multi-man where he could just, you know, kind of coast. Slide through. Slide through. So Luger, they had booked Luger so strong in 97 up until this week, basically. After this week, I got news for you guys. Spoiler alert, it's all downhill for Lex Luger. But 97, they had done a great job with Lex Luger because they started off the year with World War III and he almost won World War III by taking out the entire NWO. Right. I got way off track from the episode 99 talk. Anyway, I'll go back to that point before I forget. So with the network, it tells you the episode number. And so this episode is clearly labeled episode 99. You get into the show, what's Tony Schiavone screaming? Episode 100. And so I had to look it up. I had to Google this. They cost me at least 15, 20 seconds. I had to go look this up. And it wasn't actually very easy to figure this out, but I learned from message boards and stuff that they had done some Nitro. They called a house show on a Saturday one week, Saturday Night Nitro. They didn't tape it. They didn't. There's no evidence of when it took place, so it's not on the network or whatever. But they count it apparently in their episode total. So that was at what? What? When did this happen? Was this like a test run prepping for the very first Nitro? They did it on June 28th. In 97. So it was fairly recently. Very, okay. But they counted that towards the total for some reason, despite not being on TV. That is not Nitro. That is just a house show. Right. So all night when you watch it, if you watch this episode, you'll, that's the confusion. That's what's up. So it's not mislabeling on the WWE's part. Wow. You know what's really weird? Okay. So World War Three. The 96 version was won by The Giant. Now, The Giant did end up taking a shot at Hogan at Sold Out. Right. Which is what got him kicked out of the NWO the first time. So, after that, he was then paired up with Luger in a tag team. And so, Luger and The Giant won the tag team belts. They booked Luger so strong in the first half of 97, they would give him jobber matches on TV. He was racking everybody. And they would find the biggest jobbers they could. There was this one guy named, like, Roadblock who actually came out with a roadblock sign over his shoulders, and Luger would rack him. And so it was really, they really sold the torture rack as like this amazing finish. He He can get anybody in this fucking thing. Yeah. So then Spring Stampede, in a multi-man match, Luger wins the 
number one contendership while he's still the tag team champ. Well, Hogan's not coming back until... Well, he didn't come back until Bash to the Beach, and that was for the Rodman thing. So the Giant and Luger, meanwhile, dropped the belts to the Outsiders. Somewhere in between all this, Hogan had a non-title match against Hogan, despite being the number one contender, and racked him. So he's proven that he can do it. So tonight, before their main event, you'll see the footage of him racking Hogan from a previous thing. It was a non-title match. So J.J. Dillon had come out last week on Nitro and said he's contractually obligated. They're finally invoking, I guess, that clause. That 30, that... It made me so mad as a kid because this clause was never honored with Hogan. No. Hogan never had to defend this belt. So you, you were going to school pissed off about rules listen, are rules. The thirty day policy of defending your title. So we get into the episode. Michael Buffer welcomes us into the Palace of Auburn Hills in Detroit, which coincidentally just closed, along with Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit. The Palace of Auburn Hills is where the Pistons played, and the Joe Lewis is where the Red Wings played. They are both they both moved into the Little Caesars Arena, which is where the pay-per-view last night happened. Hell in a Cell happened at the new arena. So, there you go. Little, it, all, it all... I'm telling you, wrestling rules the world. Y'all just don't realize it. We start the three-hour edition of Nitro with a Nitro Girls dance, of course. They had just been introduced like a month before. I yeah. Didn't, I didn't realize that. I kind of... Just remember them always being around. But. I thought it was in 96, but yeah, you're right. It was just... No, 96 was all Nitro Girls free. If you don't like the Nitro Girls, watch all of the 96 uh, Nitros. You'll be happy. And some of them were only one hour long. Can you, can you imagine that? Wow. That's yeah. insane. Bischoff and Hogan come out and says, Luger is a lamb waiting to be slaughtered in Sturgis. So Hogan has already... Skipped ahead. Tonight's main event, that's already that's already done. It's not happening. He's going to figure out a way out of it. He says he's going to prove he's the icon tonight against Luger. Hogan seems to think somehow if he can beat Luger, then Scott Hall will get Luger's place at Sturgis. No, that's why you were confused. Hogan just made this up. He just booked on his own. He just yeah. went ahead and determined, if Luger loses tonight, then I'll just skip ahead to this guy. Right. My own guy in the NWO. And he's going to lay down for me. <laughs> oh, is that was that the story? Yeah. Well, he might have been right. Seeing how the finger poke of doom went, I guess he was right in that assumption. And that's it. That's all we get from Hogan in this segment. And they walk back. This was a bad segment. I was really disappointed. Well, you know something, Mr. Bischoff? When you mess with Hollywood, brah, you mess with the whole NWO. And when you get in our face, you better be ready to pay dues for life. Now, point taken. I've got the whole world watching Road Wild. I've got... 500,000 Brumba fat boys ready to cheer me on, brother. And Lex Luger, you were the lamb that I was going to slaughter right in Sturgis. But you know, the WCW is so cocky, they did a little finagling with the paperwork, brother. They went around behind the highest executive back, Mr. Eric Bischoff. And oh yeah, they sealed signed and delivered a world title match tonight.
I don't like it one bit. But Lex Luger, you are gonna pay for this mistake. And for all these people tonight, I'm gonna drag you through the mud and prove that Hollywood Hogan is the god that made professional wrestling what it is today. I'll give it up for Hollywood! For life. You know something, hold on. Jimmy, hold on a minute, Jimmy. The thing is, after I wiped the mat with Luger in front of all my NWIs, like we said, the NWO title stays in the family. And the number one contender that's gonna get to jam with Hollywood and Sturgis is none other than my blood brother, Scott Hall. We're gonna get it on, dude. Give it up for the man! It was, yeah, it wasn't even uh, good Hogan grandstanding or hot dogging. No. Nothing really. Nothing. Mortis is out with James Vandenberg to take on Kurt Henning, free agent Kurt Henning. He hasn't signed with the NWO or WCW, but he's allowed to wrestle here. Or the Horsemen. Oh, right. They're a different entity altogether. Yeah. Mortis and Wrath. Oh, man. Bad news for our buddy Glacier. They recently ended the winning streak. The Goldberg-Glacier winning streak there. He could have been Goldberg. He was that close. He was. He was probably about 60 wins short, but... He was the... As a kid, he was the greatest character for wrestling. Henning hits a running knee lift that sends Mortis over the ropes. Henning decks Vandenberg. Henning's in a feud with DDP. He walked out on him in a tag team match against Macho Man and Scott Hall at Bash at the Beach last month. Yep. So whose side is he on? Mortis hits an inverted atomic drop and a spinning heel kick for two. Perfect recovers and hits his perfect plex, or in WCW, it's just a hinning plex. Fisherman suplex. Fisherman suplex. Which no one no one is able to pull that off better than Kurt Henning. I have Are you saying Val Venus didn't hit a pretty perfect plex? No. Not compared to Kurt oh, Henning. Oh, okay. Not compared to Kurt Henning. Kurt Henning was the way he would hit that, and you see the perfect camera angle in this, but he hits it, and as soon as he lands on the second bump, he grasps his hands. I mean, you, the camera angle was awesome to be able to. It was just, it was very beautiful. And perfect beats Mortis clean here in the uh, opening matchup. Do you know who Mortis was? That's uh, Champagne Chris Canyon. Of that course. was, yes, Chris Canyon. And I only know that because it was one of those characters where he would show up holding the mask when he ditched the mask. He yeah. showed everybody, hey, I was Mortis. Yeah. Very helpful. It was me. <laughs> it was me all along. We come back from a commercial break, and I thought this was funny. So a clearly planted WWF Raw sign. Like, yeah. the logo is printed on. Yeah. And the fans rip it up. Yeah. Craig Leathers, the director, must have thought he was just so clever doing this. Then we go to a montage of Sting from the last year as he changed from Sting, Surfer Fun Sting, to Dark Crow Sting. He's a conflicted man. What, which was your favorite? Well, I like Crow Sting because that's just, this is when I came into watching wrestling, really? so. I like Surfer Sting. Uh, the Surfer, I like Crow Sting before he started talking. I feel like when he talked with. When he talks with that crow paint on, yeah, just kind of busts the bubble for me. Like, yeah, he did. He never really 
I don't think under. So this was the perfect one when he's silent the, when he's taking the bat and pointing at yes. people. Yes, he lets his. He lets his actions, his actions speak. Yeah. Yeah, and because I just doesn't sound like I that like that character looks. He, yeah. He never stepped really into the mind of that character. Even you know, even sometimes when the Undertaker speaks, it's just it kind of dampens. The, that's why it was so great for them to pair the Undertaker with Paul Bear, and that helped him. And sometimes he does sound like the demon. You know, yeah. sometimes he does sound like the dead man. Yeah. But then you like sometimes it just kind of breaks. But Sting always like you do not sound like a conflicted dark character. You sound like Surfer Sting stuck in the crow body. Yeah. So, yeah, this was the per- this was perfect Sting for me. I mean, yeah, just so much mystique, great entrance. I mean, they just put so much into this character. Scott Hall's idea, though, for the character. Really? Yeah, he came up with the crow kit. Well, he didn't come up with the crow. He suggested it to Sting. There's this movie. It's a cool thing. Why don't you steal that? I mean, that's how he came up with Razor Ramon. Yes, yeah, this dude of, loves uh, movies. He does. He's a big movie buff. He came up with Razor Ramon from uh, Scarface. Tony Montana, yeah. Yeah. So. Chavo and Hector Guerrero. What is going on here? Are out to take on the pair of, this is an unusual pair too, Jeff Jarrett and Dean Malenko. Now, a knock against Dean Malenko, and even though Kevin Nash, Kevin Nash called all these little guys, he called them vanilla midgets because they have no character, like Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, he's got a little bit of a point because Dean Malenko, you don't know whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. He's the Iceman. He has no expression. Yeah. So the only way I know he's a bad guy is that he's walking out with Jeff Jarrett, who is right. definitely a bad guy. And so, Who was Horseman at this point in time? Well, he had basically blackmailed his way onto... I think he'd been kicked out at this point. This might have been... This is coming with Mc, when McMichaels and him were feuding. and so Right, was, so he might have been kicked out at this point. He okay. basically like blackmailed his way into the Horseman right. in storyline. Right. But then they went with it for a little while. The horsemen were okay with that for a little while. But then all of a sudden they were like, no. No, we don't like that. We'd rather have Kurt Henning. And then they lost both of them. Yeah. So, And while Jeff Jarrett was coming out, I realized this is another earth-shattering moment. Jeff Jarrett's WCW theme is the instrumental of the West Texas Rednecks good old boys. It's the same Song really, except good old boys, you know, has lyrics. It has Kurt Henning, yeah, singing. Not rap is crap. It's their second single, but it's no. just Jeff Jarrett's recycled theme. It blew my mind. So Dean and Eddie are in a feud, and Eddie is kayfabe injured. So he's been taking out all the other Guerreros he can get yeah. his hands on. Right. So he's been wrestling Hector and Chavo Jr. every week up up until the pay per view. Right. And I was thrilled to see Hector on this match. On this episode, it's cool actually. to see. I really wish that Eddie had gotten in and it would have been a six man. Yeah, find another uh, heel and have a six man. It's all Dean and Jarrett as the Guerreros get very little offense. Jarrett tries a figure four on Hector, but Chavo breaks it up. We get the Texas Cloverleaf to Hector, and Jarrett knocks Chavo down so the heels take home the victory. Malenko does not strut it up with Jarrett. He will not do the uh, Jackie Fargo strut with uh, Jeff Jarrett. Instead, he just stands emotionless on the outside of the ring, and he leaves. And, of course, then then we go to Mean Gene, who's with Raven in the front row. Raven, who just has a ticket. He just shows up every week. He loves WCW. Stevie Richards, though. My boy Stevie Richards has been working all week long down in Atlanta 
at CNN headquarters, which is coincidental, the headquarters of WCW, to get Raven the perfect contract. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back here in the Motor City. It's Detroit. It's Monday Nitro on TNT. And I'm here to hopefully try converse Raven. Raven sitting here at ringside, his uh, usual seat, but I need to get some answers. These people promised me some kind of an announcement, and I've got to believe it regards this man's career. Raven, Raven, come on up if you... Ra- hey, Stevie Richards! <laughs> Coming out of left field again, pal. What? What? What is this? What now? You've got more paperwork this week. As everybody's seen a couple weeks ago on Tuesday Nitro, I came out with a WCW contract for my man Raven. Your man? Yes, my man Raven. And it seems to be that we de- it ran into a bit of a snag, you would say. A snag, that uh, sounds like a legal term. Yes, exactly. So anyway, I've been the CNN Center, Raven, boss. By the way, that's where uh, World Championship Wrestling Headquarters in Atlanta, that's CNN. Bo- bo- uh. I've been to Atlanta, Georgia for the past 14 days, working on this contract, meeting with James Day Dillon, meeting with Ted Turner, meeting with anybody who would listen to me, so I could renegotiate this contract. And I think Raven, I mean, WCW already has the hottest commodity in the original King of Swing dancing, Stevie Richards. So Raven, what I've done here is, I've made sure you followed me in the WCW. I made sure that you followed the trail that I've blazing into here. And Raven, I mean, you know, Let's face it, me, Gene. Last, I mean, two weeks ago, he made me look bad. You know, you don't make me look bad. I'm the king of swing. I, I don't think he made you look bad, but very quickly, we've got to proceed here. Raven, right here's the contract. Here's the pen. Hampton Inn won't miss that. I think you ripped that off from a Marriott. Don't kid me. It's all- Raven, any, any questions about this document? Getting nothing, at least he's rising. Hey! He's fat in his face! Oh! Thought I get another blowout. These two men are not going to get along. Blocking a punch. You're not going to abuse me anymore. Look at that snare, Tony. Take it away. I, I don't know what to make of this. The only thing I can say is that if that's his boss, then his boss doesn't like him at all. And so he presents this contract to Raven, and Raven rips it up and slaps him. And spits in his face. Yes. Stevie says, you know what, Raven? I'm doing all I can for you, buddy, but I'm not going to let it go on anymore. They're going to brawl eventually. And blinking, you might miss it because Stevie would have this match with Raven and then be gone from WCW. Yeah, Stevie's run in WCW was... He failed a physical or something. It was... It was... Very weird. It was like two, three months. Not even... Yeah, it was like... I think their match happened at like a Clash of Champions and then... 
Yeah. Stevie's gone. Right back to ECW. It's like you never left. Send in your Nitro Party tapes. I'm sure you've got a few left on VHS. I do. What sucks about sending in your Nitro Party tapes is that tapes cost money. You know, this is expensive. It Ta- is. And they weren't cheap. You know, a no. tape was probably, what, 10 bucks? A pack of... A pack, and the shipping? A pack of, of four VHS tapes is 20 Dollars. It is now. It is now. Jeez. And then, so. and then it's property of WCW. Yeah. Which now, I guess, if they kept these things, that means Vince probably has your tape somewhere. Isn't that weird to think about? That like that's crazy. Vince McMahon might own footage of you party. I'm sure he doesn't. I'm sure WCW would just throw them in the garbage. You know, they pick one to win, not even look at it, and yeah. throw the rest away. Now, you want to make a big man look strong? Here comes the giant. Out to no theme as he had left the Dungeon of Doom, left the NWO. Yes. Had been coming out with Luger in a tag, so he was using Luger's theme. Now he just doesn't have one. Okay. Now I got a question. I know Lenny Lane. Well, that's because he had Lane written on his jocks, too. That was helpful. If he didn't have that, I honestly wouldn't have recognized Lenny I, Lane. I knew Lenny Lane. Who the hell are the other two? Oh, I don't know the other two jobbers. It's a three-on-one jobber advantage. My you- money... Is on the jobbers. Giant splashes all three in the corner at once. Then he choke slams them each one by one. Then kneels over, piles. Well, no, he doesn't pile them. Choke slams them like graves, practically. Wine side by side. Kneels over the one in the middle. Puts both hands on the two outside, on the two on the ends, and pins them all at once. Pins all three guys at once. This match was. Two minutes of It was awesome. He tore through these guys. Macho Man comes out and says, Oh, yeah, gonna beat you at Sturgis. Brother, 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 brother. A giant out of control. Is cool for me because it's Sturgis. That means that the madness is gonna be in control. Stay put right there because you don't want none of this right here. And then Giant, he's pissed off. And he just walks away. Not even walks towards. Oh, Macho Man was at the entryway, but Giant doesn't run after. Giant's not gonna run anywhere. No. He just walks he stalks that's it we come back from a break and we get oh a lex luger montage and then we get my boys high voltage chaos and rage who i always thought man they look dude these guys were jacked (laughs) yeah i think they would uh, not pass a wellness test today these guys were jacked they were inflated they They were like balloons Uh, okay this is only they're still with us yes okay i've looked into chaos and rage's status before I, felt, I always wondered, I felt bad for thinking that but that's the first thing i thought about because these guys were jacked <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. i was thinking oh man dude this is a short life they look like i don't know like if you took a a blow-up doll and just left the air running all day and then came yeah. home and put them in a singlet that's high voltage they were they were high on voltage, all right. Yeah, they were. Man, these. Oh. But I thought I always thought for as good as their looks are, why didn't they ever get over? Because I thought because they couldn't wrestle worth shit. Okay, they were not that great. But there's been worse tag teams. Kevin Nash, I agree. I know, well, but he's seven <laughs> feet tall, so 
There's been worse wrestlers. I agree. But, uh... It's, and they're taking on bad wrestlers. I mean, Public Enemy. It's not like oh, they're putting on a clinic. On. Public Enemy is going to take on High Voltage. They come out to their dubbed over theme song. No, 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 no. So now they just wave their hands. Yeah. Like they really don't care because they don't care that the song matches. They bring out a table, of course. They had the Dudley's gimmick before the Dudley stole this gimmick. The table. And guess what else the Dudley stole? What did they steal? They stole camouflage. You know who they stole that from? New Jack. I was going to say Misfits in Action. But that New, was after. New Jack. Wow. So. Just gimmick they infringement. Ripped, they, Dudley's ripped off ECW all the way around when they left to go to WWE. I thought they had... No, no they had those weird purple They shirts. had the tie-dye Dudley's boys. Oh, right. And yeah. They were druggies. Yes. Isn't there? Yeah. Spike Dudley and the acid drop. Yeah. yeah. They were druggies. They weren't... Duh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, and the stuttering gimmick. I fo- I forgot about stuttering, Bubba. So they bring up... A, they bring out their table. Public Enemy does, not the Dudleys. Rage hits a top rope bulldog out of nowhere to Rocco Rock. Rage tries a top turnbuckle splash, but gets a boot from Rocco Rock. A double-team bulldog from the Public Enemy to Rage, and they want to use the table. Rocco Rock misses his somersault on Rage and goes crashing through the table. They would always end up going through their own table. Well, yeah. I rarely saw them connect. Right. This. If you set it up, you have to go through it. And they're bringing the damn thing. That's a that's just a wrestling... And if role. they had landed it, is that a DQ? Yeah. So this is their best scenario. Did they disqualify themselves by going through it? I think maybe the opposing team has to touch the table. Yes, they do. But could they... But does any touch count? Like, if what if Rage or Chaos had just walked by and tapped the table? Like, no, you gotta. I think that counts. Really? I think it does. That means they had some hand in it. They had a hand in it. Anyway, I think you're taking the rules a little too literal. The rules are the rules. Rage and Chaos decide to team up on Grunge while Rocco Rock is recovering, and Rage, uh oh, ends up clotheslining his own partner. He does. And Johnny Grunge rolls up Rage. For the win. A schoolboy roll up. One, two, three. Wow. Exciting stuff here. Chaos brings in half a table, and they smack Grunge into it, so I guess this was a high-voltage heel turn, as yeah. we just witnessed. Yeah. Do they still wrestle? Are they still a tag no. team? They actually retired pretty quickly well, now, after pu- WCW. Public Enemy is no longer with us. I want to say Chaos actually held the tag team title with Rick Steiner. Really? Rick Steiner had, in his feud with Scott... It was in 98, during Thunder, was feuding with Scott, and so recruited, had a match where he won both titles and then recruited a partner, and so even though Chaos didn't actually help win the belt, he held it with Rick Steiner. It's really weird. That's crazy. And then Rage and Chaos had a feud with each other that was on, like, Worldwide, and then they just disappeared completely. But these are two power plant guys. That's why they're high voltage. They're yeah. from the power plant. But they don't they don't wrestle anymore. They don't. Robbie Rage was still active in the World Wrestling Council until September 14th, 2007. So 10 years ago, he's been retired. And he is working as a personal trainer. So that's Robbie Rage's story. And then Kenny Chaos. Kenny Chaos retired in 99, so he didn't even last through WCW. And he has not worked since. Chaos is 47 and Rage is 47. So they're, hey, they're both still younger than Goldberg. That's true. There's still a chance for a high voltage comeback. 
But it doesn't say what uh, Kenny Chaos does now? No, there's on his Wikipedia page, there was uh, no update on Kenny Chaos. Yeah. Kenny Chaos was ranked number 195 of the top 500 in the PWI 500 in 1998. So, there you go. <laughs> Kenny Chaos, if you're out there, please call us. We're looking for you. Yes, we want to know... What are you doing? What are you up to? More Nitro Girls are out, but they are interrupted by Das Wunderkid, Alex Veit, who somehow is the cruiserweight champion. Yes. Despite being like seven feet tall. Yes. He's a tall guy. He is He is very skinny, but he has potential. There was a lot of potential with this guy. Yeah, Alex Wright, I thought, was a talented wrestler. Terrible dancer, but talented wrestler. (laughs) Wright speaks in German, and guess what? Gets booed, because he's in America. This is America. This is Detroit. What's your language? What's your language? They're not happy with you. First, I talk to the people who matter to me. Then I care. Then I talk to the people who I can care less about. You're number one with this guy over here in the third row. He just gave you the signal. Let's talk about Chris. Chris Jericho, if you watch tonight, if you want to be embarrassed again, like I embarrassed you last Nitro, just going to be at Road Wild. I'm going to be there. That's for sure. Now enough about Chris Jericho, that kitty cat. I'm important, okay? I am the World Cruiserweight Champion. I am the greatest wrestler. Not only because I'm Alex Wright, because I'm from Germany! You, you might understand this. Auf Wiedersehen, my friend. You try to speak German? I, I know all you people are only, only educated. Non-to-speaking American population is just too much. You are all stupid! That's right. He calls Chris Jericho a kitty cat. Jericho is his opponent this Saturday in Sturgis. They did the pay-per-view on Saturday in Sturgis instead of Sunday. Wright says he's the best because he's from Germany and everything's better there. Scotty Riggs will be the tune-up opponent here. This is Scotty Riggs after American Males. This is gimmickless Scotty Riggs. This That's right. No eye patch. No flock. No, no nothing. American Males. No. Wright dances in the ring. Both men try a crossbody and smack into each other. It looked very painful. Riggs falls on top after that for a two count. Riggs hits an insiguri, a back body drop, and a drop kick and gets a two count. Riggs tries a superplex, but Wright fights out of it and hits a missile drop kick. A Chris Jericho finisher for the win. So, a bit of calling out to Chris Jericho, who was not on this show, by the way. Yeah, we didn't have a Jericho sighting this episode. Yeah, your number one contender isn't even on the show for the cruiserweight belt. Hour number two of Nitro kicks off with Pyro. They would always start these hour number twos about ten minutes early, too, yeah. by the way. I was always very confused at home. I would look at the clocks and think, what's wrong here? Yeah. Luger is out with Mean Gene. Luger tells us this is the defining moment of his career. He might actually be right here. A defining moment for WCW? Not so much, but okay. You no, know, I've been focusing on one thing and one thing only, and that was Sturgis and a world title match. But you know, sometimes opportunity knocks when you least expect it. This is the night. There are defining moments in everyone's life, in everyone's career. This is 
the defining moment for the total package, Lex Luger. This is a defining moment for WCW and the NWO, where our paths finally collide. And Hollywood Hogan, I heard you out here spewing your garbage a little bit earlier, but just a short while from now, we're gonna get in the ring. Six is out to take on you Chris. You better warm up your VCR and dust off your videotapes. Did he really say that? Yes. Oh, jeez. No. Uh, oh, that was later on. No, the, uh, he didn't say that. But Oh, Shivani uh, or somebody said that. Um, Heenan said that. Heenan said that? Heenan oh, said that. Oh, boy. Warm up your VCR and dust off the videotape. That's you. He was talking to you. He was. I probably actually have this episode on VHS. Six is out to take on Chris Benoit. Benoit hits a suicide dive to Six that was pretty intense. The camera missed most of it, though. Benoit ends up in the tree of woe, and Six hits a Bronco Buster with no busting of the Bronco. He just would yeah. hit it and then back off. And I don't blame him for not doing that to Benoit, because who knows what would have happened. Benoit fucked him up. Benoit levels Six with chops and a snap suplex and a back suplex. Chris is going up to the top turnbuckle to hit a super back suplex to six, but Jeff Jarrett runs down, and then Mongo makes the save, and then Malenko comes in to brawl with Benoit. So Malenko a, and Benoit are feuding right now. Even though Malenko's really feuding with Guerrero. Correct. So it's a tangled web we have. And obviously Jarrett and Mongo are feuding over Deborah. Right, who he would take with, well, who we saw show up in WWF after Jarrett had returned. <laughs> after Nitro Girls dance, Virgil is out to wrestle. Yes. Oh, oh, boy, I did not know that we were in for a treat. We are a rare, a rarity. Yeah, the NWO had to sacrifice a few people tonight. Well, they only had to sacrifice one. And who do they send? Virgil. Yes, or Vincent, as he's called in the WCW. He's taking on Booker T in singles action. A Harlem sidekick and Virgil is down. (laughs) And out. That's pretty much the match. (laughs) DDP is out with Mean Gene. He got here from hard work, he says. He's fighting Ric Flair even though they both hate Hogan and Savage. They're good friends. Two faces, I guess. Face Ric Flair, very weird to think about. But DDP is face two and... They're good friends, and they're just going to have a little fight later on. Yeah. No big deal. He's got Flair's number. Bang. Then the Barbarian is out. He's taking on Adam Bomber, as he's known in the WCW. Wrath. With James Vandenberg. A top rope clothesline to Barbarian. Wrath calls for his finisher. It's like a rock bottom. Yeah. But Barbarian suplexes out of it. A power slam to Wrath from Barbarian. Then Wrath hits the death penalty to Barbarian off a failed top turnbuckle splash, but then Ming comes in to stare down Wrath, and there you go. Yeah. So I guess Wrath won the match. I don't remember now. Didn't yes, Wrath won. Rick and Scott Steiner introduced their new manager. None other than the Million Dollar Man. No, you can't call him that. It's WCW. Still. He's just the man with a million dollars. Ted DiBiase. That's right. He defected from the NWO. He did. Not a wise investment move, I dare say, because the NWO is like the hottest thing going. So, But remember, when you're NWO for life, it's really for life. So, DiBiase, you're going to pay for that. Ted tells Gene he's had a change of heart. 
and he's a good guy now. I've been on the inside of the NWO looking out, and now I've been on the outside of the NWO looking in. And there's an old cliche that says, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. You gotta back up, take a deep breath, and take a look at the big picture, and take a look at what's really important. You know, Gene Okerlund, that I grew up in professional wrestling, that my father died in the ring in July of 1969, and I vowed then that I would live up to his name and his reputation and become a star in this business. I did that, but somewhere along the way, I lost track of the things that were really important. I got caught up flying around in Lear jets and limousines and being a big wheel. I used to live by another cliche. Every man has his price. But what that is is every man pays a price for the choices that he makes. I've made some bad choices. Well, that ends now. The buck stops here. You have seen the air in your ways, Mr. DiBiase. Exactly, Gene. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow. And I don't expect the Steiner brothers to just accept me on blind faith. I've got to prove myself to them and to everybody else. And we start at Sturgis Saturday. I start tearing down what I helped build in the NWO by ripping the heart out of the NWO and taking the world wrestling Got, you're talking That's about right. the New World Order, right. Paul and Nash, That's WCW right. Tag Team That's Champions. Right. Ted fucks up here because he says he's here to take the World Wrestling fi- And he st- freezes. Because yeah. he was about to say the Steiners wanted the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team titles. Yes. But he caught himself, and Gene covers for him. Paul and Nash interrupt. They say they're the best. Ted DiBiase says, okay, we'll see about that. And then redeems himself from earlier tonight by naming the World Championship Wrestling Tag Team titles. Lee Marshall's road report is in Denver. Lee Marshall is not really in Denver. These, I never really thought about it until I I was an adult. (laughs) But why would they send one man by himself a week in advance (laughs) to call? By the way, his call sounded so clear. It almost sounded like it was on a microphone and not on a telephone line. Or, like, miraculously, he was in the building. Yeah, it was more like he was backstage on a microphone or taped from earlier. He, he could probably cut like 30 of these in a studio. What am I even talking about? He did them all at once. It was a live conversation between them, though. No, he just they would just toss it to him and he would just go. Oh, that's right, it was. And all he would do is just name local landmarks. He would say, I'm in yeah, Denver and, turn, and there's some mountains. And then turn one of them into a weasel. Right, a weasel joke. Yeah. I wanted to see Bobby Heenan and Lee Marshall. I wanted to see a match between the two of them. Uh, Tony the Tiger and Bobby Heenan. Well, wow, that would have been intense. Was Lee Marshall Tony the Tiger? He was the voice of Tony the Tiger, yeah. Really? Yeah. Sonny Ono and Psychosis are out to take on Conan. Conan hits a DDT and then Psychosis taps to the Tequila Sunrise. Okay, I got a quick question. Actually, not a question. But before selfies were famous... Who was the original selfie king? Sonny Ono. Sonny his disposable Ono. camera. That's right. Taking picture of himself. Have you thought about that? That is... That's, there you go. It is very odd. Why does he even need pictures? He's out there every week. I don't know, but he actually... <laughs> I have asked him this. He actually did use multiple cameras, and he does have a lot of these developed and... In his at, scrapbook. In his scrapbook at home, so... 
This was after Conan had quit the Faces of Fear and joined up with the NWO. That's right. So he was now Thug Thug Life Conan. He was only with the Face. No, he was with the Dungeon of Doom. He was with the Dungeon of Doom for like a week. It was like very short lived. Yeah. Rey Mysterio is out on crutches and wants to confront Conan about being such a bad guy. That's right. Don't ever walk out with crutches because you'll get smacked with one. And that's what happens to Ray as Conan smacks him with his own crutch. No, wrong. Oh, Ray sneak attacks Conan with a yeah. crutch. Yeah, yeah. So Ray's a heel. Ray, very, Ray was playing possum. He's dirty. Ray was playing possum, and so as Conan kicks one of the crutches out from under him, he just hauls off and nails the shit out of it. Breaks one over him. Yeah. He's going to have a hard time hobbling back without his crutches. A raw is weak sign is shown. Oh, you burned him there. Sick Woo. burn, bro. Before Silver King and Damien come out, the duo of Glacier and Ernest Miller is out next. Mortal Kombat, baby. Glacier Cryonic kicks Silver King out of the ring, and Ernest Miller delivers a top turnbuckle head kick to Damien. Pins him. And then they do karate poses after the match. I enjoyed the the team of Ernest Miller and... Well, this was Glacier. before he was the cat, so it wasn't so obnoxious. He was very serious karate man here. Yeah, I enjoyed this. It was a short-lived tag team, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed this as a tag team. I did, too. Bischoff is back out. Bischoff complains about Larry Zabisco, who's been standing up to the NWO. And he complains about the Giant. That's right. And then he calls out J.J. Dillon. Bischoff tells J.J. Dillon if Zabisco lays a finger on him, he's going to kick his head off. J.J. just sort of smiles and laughs and walks off. That's the end of it. The Nitro Girls invade Tony, Bobby, and Mike Tanay's set. Bobby wants to dance with the girls. Tony tells his wife to go to bed and not be watching the TV. Then it's time for a good match. DDP is out to take on Nature Boy Ric Flair. There is a fan with a sign on the the hard cameras picking him up. He is ringside. With a orange sign, and I could not figure out what it said. But he puts it up during the start of this match, and immediately security comes and takes it away from him. Well, I'll have to go back and check that. So out. I'm I I'm curious as to what it said. I don't know, but it was uh, intrigued by the timing in which this match was getting ready to go. And Kurt Henning comes out as Ric Flair comes out, and Ric Flair just nods to him. Just like, hey, buddy, recruiting, recruiting him here. The crowd is very hyped for this match. Big chop to DDP, and he answers with a back body drop to Flair. A sit-out powerbomb to Flair, and Kurt Henning runs out. We go to break. Buy an NWO shirt. Hey, it's just $20. Buy the shirt. Flair struts after some chops to DDP. DDP then catches Ric Flair off the top turnbuckle, surprise, surprise, and slams him. We get a swinging neckbreaker to Flair. DDP is distracted by Hennig. And Flair chop blocks him. Ouch. We get a knee drop to DDP. Then he locks in the figure four. Flair does. But DDP is in the ropes. Flair teases suplexing DDP into the crowd, which would have been really awesome. But DDP reverses it and suplexes Flair into the ring. He locks in a figure four on Flair. And then Henning runs in. But DDP small packages Henning. Flair eventually makes it to the ropes. Then Flair tries a clothesline off the top turnbuckle, but gets clotheslined himself. DDP calls for the diamond cutter. Henning intervenes again, this time with Nux, but gets punched by DDP. Boy, Henning sucks at interfering in this match. Yeah. 
Then DDP takes out Flair and hitting with a double clothesline, and the DQ is called for this all this interference. It took a while to get the uh, DQ to be called, but... Your winner by DQ, DDP. And what I thought was a good match, even though the DQ finish. Yeah. The crowd was hot for it, and DDP was is known for carefully scripting out his matches, and it sh- I think it works out better that way a lot of times when you go move by move, go over your match with your opponent before, instead of just calling everything in the ring, just go in there with an idea. I don't. You don't? I don't. Why is that? Every time I have done a move or done a match, I, uh, I pick a few spots I want to hit. Here's how we're going to work into it. Other than that, shut up, listen, we'll get through it together. But the reason is because going, which, I mean, and Dallas was really, really good at at remembering, but a lot of guys aren't. If you get kind of twisted and you forget what you're going to next, it is so obvious. If you're not scripting the whole match, then you're able to do a quick correction and it doesn't, you can't tell. Yeah, I see your point. I I've just seen a lot of good DDP matches. That's why I'm I'm not knocking. I mean, trust me, I'm trust not knocking me. it at all. But uh, but Dallas, because Dallas was brilliant at remembering every every concept of every match. I've never seen him screw up by doing this. Even though, like you said, he is notorious for doing it. Villano four and five are out. How do you know which is which? Because it's on their tights. That's right. That's it. Because they are masked wrestlers. You know they're brothers. They're all of Volano's are brothers. Yes, there's like six of them. And Volano one has already retired by 1997. They're out to take on Hector Garza and Lismark Jr. You're definitely not going to see this match on Raw. Garza hits a nice flying head scissors to Volano four. Lismark tags in and hits some drop kicks and a deep arm drag, almost a Ricky Steamboat arm drag to Volano five. The Volanos hit a double gut buster to Garza. Then Garza hits them with a drop kick that sends them into the guardrail. Lismark hits a tope to one of the Volanos outside the ring. Then Garza does a corkscrew plancha to everybody, including his own partner, from the top turnbuckle out to the ring mats below. Lismark Jr., by the way, wrestles for Lucha Underground. The Volanos then pull twin magic. Yes. Which is very smart. Because they're masked wrestlers. You don't know what they look like. And Volano 4 pins Lismark with a small pack. I really like this match, even though it was between these guys. That was a great match. Mean Gene is in the ring with J.J. Dillon. J.J., this is one of my favorite angles. I'm going to find out what you want, Sting. What do you want? So J.J. calls out Sting. Sting, luckily, I guess, was listening all night, waiting for J.J.'s call. In the rafters. Because he just managed to hear and then lower down right at the right moment. Drops down right in the entryway. Perfectly organized. So, JJ says, Sting, come here. I got something for you, buddy. I have a contract. That's right. To fight a wrestler of my choosing. I found someone for you, Sting. This is going to bring you back. You want Kurt Henning? Obviously, he heard what you had to say. You've got that big grin on your face. James J. Dillon, I congratulate you. Finally, we are going to get someplace with the likes of Sting. Sting, if I could have your undivided attention, Mr. Dillon, I think, has a proposition you may be very interested in. 
I think we're past the point of apologies. I wasn't here for a lot of what took place, and you know that I can't undo a lot of what's already happened and what's already done. But what I can do is pledge to you that I will do everything in my power from this point forward to try and reestablish, kind of rebuild that trust that once existed between you and WCW. I have a contract. It's signed, it's, it's valid, and I have an opponent for you. We need you back in the ring, and this could be the beginning for you to face your opponent, Kurt Henning. How about that? Yes. Gentlemen, back there in the broadcast booth, I don't know if you just took... J.J. Dillon has just offered Sting an opportunity to meet Kurt Hennig. He has a signed contract. No, no good. Wait a minute. What, what? I, I can't believe that. You just opened the door for him. And he ripped up the contract. Sting, please rethink this offer. World Championship Wrestling needs you, Sting. These fans need you. He's disgusted. <sighs> JJ, you got his eye. You got his ear. Didn't get his signature. I'm not about to give up with this. We need Sting, and I'm going to figure out what it is he wants, and, and I'm going to make every attempt I can to deliver. But apparently, Sting is just going to walk out of the building. I think you got your answer as far as any future date with Kurt Hennig. And guys back there, I'm very curious, Tony, what, what you and Bobby and Mike today might have to say on the reception that J.J. received here tonight. Well, the fact was, Gene, he never even read the contract. And Sting takes it, and he rips it up. And as Sting goes to leave J.J., this was a great ad-lib moment, puts his hand on Sting's shoulder, and Sting kind of shrugs him off, just leave. And J.J. says into the mic, I'm going to find out what he wants. And I was like, J.J., he wants Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody tell this man. Oh, there was the one... There was one... Where he had one signs. promo, one one fucking promo that really still to this day pisses me off. There are signs of Sting versus Hogan throughout the entire crowd, especially <laughs> the first fucking twenty rows, yeah. and I'm talking like hundreds of them. JJ is looking right at him, and Sting is pointing the bat oh, at yeah. all of them, and JJ's like, "No, you got to tell me. I don't know." And he's like, "Listen." <laughs> Pointing the bat right at him. It was so frustrating. It was so, oh, still pisses me off if, when I watch that episode. JJ could be so stupid. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, just come on. One minor thing about this I didn't like, other than showing how stupid JJ was made to look, was that Kurt Henning was the man. He's not a contracted WCW employee. He's not an NWO employee, and he's not a Four Horsemen employee. There you go. How and. Sting technically is a free agent, That's right. so he's got like a con what is this contract? How does he make this happen anyway? That's right, kayfabe breaker. That's all got to say about that. Mean Gene also sells this moment very well because as Sting's walking away, Mean Gene goes, "Sting, WCW needs you. Sting, the fans need you." Mean Gene, 
voice of the people. The Nitro Girls are out, as Michael Buffer is as well. Oh, man. Time for the WCW World title match. He's introduced as the master of the torture rack, Lex Luger. That's right. Comes out to the pyro and the guitar biddle music. He comes in and he flexes. How about a commercial break? Ah, misery. Hogan comes out on the network. It's dubbed over. He was using Voodoo Child here. Shivani, I did think he did a good job on commentary here. He mentions Luger will need to look for a quick win, like a small package or something, to avoid an NWO run-in. Shivani's thinking. And I was actually like, I remember at the time thinking, that's a great point. He's absolutely right, because you know these guys are going to run out and fuck this match up. Yeah. Hogan and Luger, they exchange, oh, hammerlocks, vicious. Luger shoves Hogan and flexes in front of, ah! And the crowd just loves it. Yeah. They were... They're pumped. Yeah, they are as pumped up as Luger is. The crowd chant, Hogan sucks. Hogan takes Luger down with a clothesline and drops a few elbows. Scoop slam to Luger, and Hogan does his illegal choke. Just a blatant choke right there in front of the ref. Yeah. But Randy Anderson lets it go. Luger puts Hogan on a corner, but gets poked in the eye behind Randy Anderson's back. Nitro takes a commercial break in the middle of this world title. Shame on you. Imagine if the match had just ended in commercial. It's true. Hogan gets a two count on Luger from a scoop slam. Then Hogan gets a two on a belly-to-back suplex. Luger mega sells some Hogan chops. Like, when Hogan hits him with these chops, it's like a train's hitting him. A big boot to Luger gets a two count from Hogan. Then Hogan gets frustrated with Randy Anderson. He didn't like his count. Not counting fast enough for me, buddy. One leg drop, and oh my goodness, Luger kicks out a little leg drop at two. That's his finisher. And Hogan says, well, I did it once. Tries it again. Oh, no, he misses. Luger hits a clothesline to Hogan. Then Hall and Nash and Savage run in. But Luger can beat three people at once. Well, yeah, because he's Lex freaking Luger. He feels it. He hears it. Got him down. Scott Hall is in. Scott Hall goes down. Champion of the world, 
on Nitro. Bionic forearm to Hogan, his WWF finisher. Then he calls for the torture rack, and in an awesome moment, when he's calling for his torture rack, doing his chicken wing, the crowd is doing it with him. Yeah. This crowd is so hot for Lex Luger. He gets Hogan in the rack. Luger won the title! Luger won the title! As Hogan screams uncle, and the place goes apeshit! And decides to celebrate by throwing garbage in the ring. And the WCW locker room clears out. Even though some of them are heels and faces, it doesn't matter. They're all WCW in this moment. As they're all celebrating, Dean Malenko hilariously gets hung out to dry on a high-five attempt. He's just stuck with his hand in the air. Luger then, as he's walking to the back with the title, accidentally uppercuts the giant as he sticks his hand up with the title to celebrate then they come back from break tony recaps the night then we go backstage to the party where giant is pouring paint thinner on the title trying to get that nwo spray paint off there i wish someone would tell him don't even bother it'll be respray painted on saturday yeah meanwhile we go to the nwo locker room and hogan is very upset Letters that have been on since Hogan won the title one year ago from the Giants. Jesus, God, 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 it's Sturgis, brother, the family business. Jesus, good God, my man. You know, it wasn't supposed to happen, bro. It wasn't supposed to happen, man. You got lucky, my man. Who's a fluke? Hey, you guys watch my back at Sturgis. Good God, Luger. Good God, I'm going to just, Jesus. I think Hogan needs a nap. Good God, Luger! Good God! Ah! And he flips over a table, and Hogan is just losing his fucking mind over this belt. Someone should tell him, oh, you're just getting it back on Saturday, don't worry about it. They replay the finish, and WCW, World Championship Wrestling, boy, they are on top of the wrestling world. They are. For five or six days, and then, once again, they fuck this up. So there you have it. I thought this was an excellent main event. It was two limited guys, but the crowd ate it up. They loved all the the shit. They the NWO getting the NWO getting any sort of comeuppance was so rare that this crowd was hungry. I was hungry as a little kid. I was like, someone's got to fucking beat this guy. Does anybody can anybody beat this man? This guy sucks at wrestling. That's true. And he finally did. And the NWO I thought was crushed. They're really set back. But then they just switched it on Saturday. And Luger would never have the title again, would never main event again. That was it. It was over. Just like that. Again, WCW just fucks up something they had built so well. They could have given him a little run. I'm not asking for much. Month. Two months. Yeah. Until Sting's ready. You know, Starcade, Because yeah. that's where you're going. Yeah. He can drop it at Havoc or whatever. Yeah. No. Can't have it. Hogan's got to have that belt. Hogan's the only person that doesn't realize this is a work. He thinks it's a real belt. Well, yeah. It is a real belt, but it doesn't really, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not It's not an Olympic gold medal. Anyway, what did you think of this Nitro? Oh, it was great Nitro. Pretty much all of it. I enjoyed the pacing. They were yeah. short matches. Short they were matches. shitty matches, but they were actually a lot of them more conclusive. And entertaining matches. Yeah. And all a lot of the storylines built. I know what to expect heading into Sturgis on right. Saturday. Right. 
unlike a lot of other WCW shows where I don't know what the fuck's going on. Right. That was something they were notorious for. Or even WWF. We just watched that pay-per-view last week where they were like, oh, this match was made on heat. Yeah. This time, I know that Alex writes with Jericho. I know Dean's in a feud with Eddie. I don't know if they're fighting on Saturday. I know Jeff Jarrett's in a feud with Mongo. I know Luger and Hogan. I know the Steiners and the Outsiders. I've got a great idea of what's going on. This show, for me, it checked all the boxes of how to do TV. Right, and it's set up for this Sunday. Or Saturday. This Saturday. It, it made Giant look great. The pacing. I just thought the pacing was so good. There wasn't a lot of filler as far as like interview, promos. Made, made Kurt Henning look awesome. Right, you still don't know whose side he's on. Uh, see. Flair and DDP look good. Right, yeah. I didn't mind that that ended with a... Uh, Fuck finish, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Conan. Made Conan look... Psychosis made Conan look like a million dollars. And uh, Virgil's selling out for Booker T just right off the bat. I mean... Yeah, there was some... I mean, I'm not gonna... You know, Hector Garza and those guys, you know, that wasn't... That's not a main. That's not going anywhere. But it was entertaining. It was entertaining. See, I missed the lucha, the luchadors. You don't the way see... cruiserweights are booked back in W. That this, yeah. during this time. Yeah, because they're not booked like that now. Yeah, I really enjoyed this Nitro episode. It's really one of the best Nitro episodes I think from top to bottom that I could have picked from. So I'm kind of sad that I did it because. Now you know there's all the other. I think we've hit pretty much all the other Nitro high points. I can't really think of a, a great. I'm going to take us to a lower point, but proceed. Well, Patrick, on the scale rating scale, Hornswoggle, Giant Gonzalez, where is Nitro from this August night, 1997 episode 99 or 100, depending on who you talk to? Oh, this is a giant. A giant. I am going to give it a. I'm going to give this one a Braun Strowman. There you go. A big man. Not the tallest, but very wide. Kevin Nash? Yeah, I've used, I think I've used Nash before. I've, so. I think I've, I've used probably a ton of people. So. Yeah. So. Well, Patrick, that was my pick. Where are we going in two weeks when we resume the Retro Wrestling Podcast? Right, yeah. So I was thinking about it while we were doing this, and it just dawned on me. Two weeks, we come back, it's the week of Halloween. What better pay-per-view? in Halloween Havoc. You took us to one of the highest points in WCW history. I'm going to take us to one of the lowest. Halloween Havoc 98 Ultimate Warrior versus <laughs> Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And the pay-per-view feed cuts out before the main event. So yes. the people had to get a refund for Goldberg and DDP. Yes. Excellent. Yes. I can't wait. I love this match. This is uh, <laughs> it's, I want... it's so bad it's entertaining. You have to don't let Hogan play with fire. No, no, no. Well, you know where to find us. I'll skip that part this week because it's really late. We need to go. I'm intern Alex. I'm one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always, my clothes lines close on. Bingo, bango. <laughs>